Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 215. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. And this episode marks another entry in our series, Between These Eyes of Ink, in which we explore the meaning behind well-known and sometimes lesser-known quotations. For this week's episode, a sentiment from Heraclitus, There is nothing permanent except change. Now, Morgan, it's worth noting that I had a lot of thoughts on this, but one of my first that I think might ground the conversation, or at least my own side of the conversation, is that I believe the idea behind this quotation is why the pillars of human society have emerged. Shifts and turmoil may be the way of things, but that doesn't make them any more comforting. So around the world, systems of religion, economies, and governance emerge. What can we, as human beings, make stable and consistent, maybe even resistant to change, because we collectively acknowledge there is a lot of change around us, and it is uncomfortable, and we don't necessarily have weapons, tools, or resources to stop that change. So perhaps, for our spell on Earth, distract ourselves from it, or find little ways in which we can resist that particular force, so to speak. Is change something that we should try to resist? Looking at change as uncomfortable is only one way to look at it, and a negative way to look at it. I think change can be, yes, sometimes difficult or unexpected, but in some ways, that's what can make it so special, so interesting, so new. In a lot of ways, I think it's kind of beautiful that there is nothing permanent except change. Yes, that can be scary because everything changes your age, your appearance, your friends or family, your job, where you live. And while a lot of people can be uncomfortable with change, myself included, that's how we grow as people. That's how we live and that's how we learn more about ourselves, about others, about the world. And so without change, I think we'd be missing out on a lot. I concur, and you've helped reveal something I find particularly fascinating, that this quotation might be a great litmus test for someone's tendencies towards optimism or pessimism. Because indeed, though I'll admit, change can be, and maybe is often for the best, immediately where my mind went on researching, reflecting, and taking notes was to the realms of negativity in our history, in my mind, etc., which is particularly interesting. In a recent episode, I recounted a very difficult change that took place in my life and all that I learned as a result of it, but I won't deny that after that difficult event, I did initially see it as negative change, as a loss. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot since March of this year. We are all going to experience changes in our lives in which things appear to be removed. And I say appear because I think context can help us see not silver linings, as some cliches might point us to, but legitimately an entirely different perspective. And on that, there's great hope in this quotation. For the teachers of the world who might be fed up with students that aren't paying attention or treating their classmates with respect, 
or parents who see their kids falling into ruts of certain behavior, even co-workers or romantic partners who wished the adults around them behaved differently, the wisdom of this quotation would tell you that this too shall pass, and the people you might find frustrating or difficult don't have to remain that way, and I would argue, are likely to change in time, even if gradually or minimally. And that's something worth acknowledging, because so many of us label other people in these concrete, definitive, and unyielding terms. We so rarely say, currently this person is these things, and far more often say, this person is this. We don't leave room linguistically for change, which is very fascinating to me because language is how we express our world. And if the world is in a state of flux, should our words not to a degree acknowledge that truth? I find it so interesting, and I wonder, why do so many people dislike and avoid change? And I include myself in one of those people who dislikes and avoids change. Why are we so uncomfortable with what we don't know? And you might be right. It might be a test of how we handle positive or negative situations. But at the same time, this hatred, this fear of change is so deeply bred into us that we automatically go to it and flock to it, whether we mean to or not whether we have a positive outlook on life or a negative one. Maybe it's a societal thing or a cultural thing. Are the thoughts and feelings we have about change something we can learn? Can we alter how we feel about change? Can we teach it differently so that people have a different understanding of change or of the unknown or of uncertainty? Because at the end of the day, that's the biggest problem. Yes, someone might not like that their appearance changes, maybe that their hair goes from a dark color to gray, but that's expected. It's the uncertainty part of change that people really struggle with, in my opinion. Maybe it's not necessarily a fear of change we have, but a fear that we are making choices and that they could be creating the wrong kind of change. That's an excellent point and a translation to an extent I wonder if Heraclitus would agree with the statement, there is nothing permanent except uncertainty in action. To offer another possible translation, only one thing in life is permanent. It may be large and pervasive, at times nebulous and hard to understand, but learn to appreciate the transient things in life around you because they are numerous, unlike this single, however large it may be, entity. Obviously, there are countless miserable and horrifying aspects of reality, however transient, that still affect us, but I feel this quotation reminds us to think on a longer time scale and to return to a remark you made about teaching a different approach to change. I was, characteristically and perhaps comically so, reminded of children and young people. But in this example, as may be the first, I might actually side with adults as opposed to children. And as that dichotomy relates to change, when we're young, many of us are especially uncomfortable with change. What might be the dissipation of a friendship, the loss of a loved one, or even moving your house for the first time can feel traumatic. There's a great sense of instability and pain associated with that uncertainty. And I'm not saying that adults don't experience that, but as we begin to comprehend, even wordlessly, that changes happen throughout our lives, 
I think it can become less painful to encounter change because we comprehend it, and so the same changes that traumatized us as children, or may have, feel still difficult, but less traumatic as adults. And I find all of that especially fascinating because on a biological level, children are the most susceptible to change. Their brains, their bodies, their skeletons, everything are still evolving. And as we become adults, it's not that we stop changing, but we do begin to crystallize a bit. So I would say children are some of the most permanent change. And adults, if you'll permit me the wording, are still changing, but less so. That's an interesting point. When you're a kid and growing, there are a lot of physical changes that are happening. Your mind is developing, your ideas are developing, your place in the world and how you see yourself and others. And then there's all the physical changes too. You get taller, you might start putting on more weight or going through puberty. And yes, once we become adults, whatever that means, we become more set in our ways. But the reason that's so interesting to me is because once you're an adult, I feel like that's when you have the most freedom to make choices and therefore actually have change in your life. When you're a kid, there are a lot of outside forces that you can't control. And usually the adults in your life get to make the big decisions for you. Where do you live? What are you learning? You have teachers and parents and grandparents and coaches and all these different types of people who say, now's when you get up. Now's when you go to school. Now's when you come home. And a lot of kids don't like change, except for maybe when their bedtime gets pushed back later. But if I'm thinking about change in terms of change being a choice and freedom to make those decisions, then you can't really have any sort of change until you're an adult. But there's a distinction between when things happen to you and when you get to decide what the change will be. That's really well said, and I'm especially curious to know were Heraclitus alive today or able to observe some modern societies, what his perception would be. Because there's a great deal we do to resist change in certain ways. Our listeners are currently listening to digitized versions of our voices, which are going to change, but here's a digital record of that. Plenty of parents and other loved ones will save baby pictures of us, images before we began changing rapidly, and also ones that are barely identifiable once we reach a certain age because we look very little like our infant selves. And while many of these modern phenomena had ancient versions in the past, I do wonder how this thinker would process our current relationship to change in our culture. And I would add that in my opinion, the folks who deny or resist most changes in life are the ones who face the rudest awakenings or the most uncomfortable transitions. Obviously, there are exceptions and changes that are almost too great to fathom. And it's also worth saying that change isn't always easy or comfortable, even if it is constant. And so I find Heraclitus's remark not only wise, but somewhat taunting. I agree with you that change is permanent, but how do I deal with it if I have anxiety about the changes that are happening? Is there any way I can feel less uncomfortable with things I can't control? What do I do with this reality if I agree that you're telling me the truth? Because it is the truth, but it's the truth that we, as self-aware beings, are met with. How do we live our lives around this great force, which will certainly shape them? I want to touch on that more. 
How do we live our lives knowing there will be change? And you're right. I'm coming from a perspective where I'm not thinking necessarily about the anxiety that could cause someone, which is not to say that change doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, but that my experience and the way I handle it could be very different from you or from one of our listeners. Could another word be replacing change? We already said that there's nothing permanent except choice. We already touched on that. And could the argument be made that there's nothing permanent except fear in some ways, which is a kind of scary phrase to say. But if our lives are constantly surrounded with change and choice, then maybe hand in hand with that is also fear. In some ways, we probably need fear in order to make change and to make choices, uncomfortable as it may be. But I think it's an important thing to point out. And in thinking about forces like change or others in our lives, there are some valuable questions that I think human beings are exclusively positioned to answer, at least as far as life on Earth is concerned. And fundamentally, it comes down to how you want to respond. Neither of us can claim that change is easy, but if it is an overused metaphorical river, are you able to go with the flow? Do you find that realistic or reasonable? Or is it worth resisting that current? Do you think some benefit can be derived from that path? Or other options that I'm not considering? But Morgan, beyond the two of us, this conversation could include, and hopefully will, many other people. So before we conclude this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to our discussion? I would love if the listeners thought about how they handle change, how it makes them feel, if they avoid it, if they embrace it, and how they want to handle it in the future. There's not much I would add to that. I do wonder if listeners disagree with Heraclitus and see other permanent forces or feel that change is at times not permanent. There are, of course, those who say the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I feel there is some insight there. And I'd also be interested to know, as we have listeners of various ages, if you feel well acclimated to change, and if you feel any connection between that state and how old you are. And fittingly, on an episode about change, Morgan, as this episode is releasing, you're moving across the country, and so we won't be recording together, at least in the near future. And while I have some thoughts I'd like to share on permanent digital record, I'd first like to turn it over to you. I think the most important part for me to say is that I've absolutely loved doing this. I've loved getting to work with you and chat with you, both when the mic's open and on our way even to just record. So I'm really glad that I've gotten to be on Stride and Saunter and work with you and gotten this opportunity to interact with you and the Stride and Saunter listeners. It was a tough decision to make, but I'm looking forward to when we next record together. If you end up missing my voice, there is a very high chance you'll hear me back again sometime as a guest. At least that's my hope, if Kip will have me. Well, as the topic of this episode was change, you will unconditionally always be welcome back. And I sincerely appreciate the time you gave to the show, as well as your working alongside me. And also, on the remark of change, you were, when we began working together, an excellent broadcaster and a very articulate individual. And those things remain true. And that's one of the reasons, of course, that I was eager to work with you. But it's also worth noting that at least in the context of our recordings, 
I've seen someone emerge who is more comfortable and who hears her words differently, and I hope you come away feeling better about that and hopefully seeing the side of you that I think I've seen for some time and continues to make me proud to have worked alongside someone like that. And also, should listeners be especially eager to hear your voice, as I hope they've been doing all this time, you will continue to make Burst Your Bubble, an excellent show critiquing culture, various isms and phobias, and one that has always made me rethink a great deal of media I've previously consumed, and it's incredibly well produced. It will of course be linked in the show notes of this episode, and I'm eager to see where you take it. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, however they might change, and we'd really love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, in self-aware perpetuity, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. Thanks for listening.